Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, they thought, why stop there? Why not create other exciting and unexpected combinations like rainbows and ropes or fruity and gummy or chewy and more chewy? That's why they created fun treats like Sweet Tarts Twisted Rainbow Ropes, Gummies Fruity Splits, and Chewy Fusions. When you dare to combine, it's sure to blow your mind. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. Visit SweetTartsCandy.com to shop now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, your podcast host, and this is episode 212. This week, Alex is chatting to storyteller and food writer Olya Hercules about her upbringing in Ukraine. Olya talks about long summer days in her grandparents' kitchen, foraging in the forests of the north and the sparkling fishing towns of the south. We also learn about the country's national dish, borscht, as well as how to pickle and preserve vibrant summer veg for the winter months. everybody I'm Alex the digital editor at Olive and I'm here virtually with Olia Hercules so those who know the food industry well and are involved in the food industry won't be strangers to Olia's work she's a superb storyteller and after she was born in Ukraine and has lived in Cyprus and Italy and settled in the UK and in the UK she trained as at the prestigious Leeds School of Food and Wine and worked in kitchens with the likes of Ottolenghi and then began her career in cookbooks, all of which contain stunning recipes and tales of Olia's upbringing and food culture. So there is so much we could talk about, um, Olia, and so much I'd love to ask you, but we'd like to take a deep dive into the cuisine and food culture of the country of your birth, Ukraine. So in our July issue, we featured a recipe and extracts from your new book, Summer Kitchen, and I have to admit that though I travel a lot, I've never really considered Ukraine as a future foodie destination for me personally to explore. But you completely drew me in with your descriptions of the food culture and um, fermenting and the ingredients. And now it's like genuinely on my list. So that's why I requested for us to record this podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's such a pleasure to have you. Um, so... What's your first memory or anecdote that comes to your mind when people ask you about Ukraine and your upbringing? Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, the first kind of um, memory is actually probably to do with the summer kitchen. Um, so we had one, just to explain to our listeners very briefly what they are, all over Ukraine, uh, we've got these uh, special kind of 
out houses. It's a one one room house essentially. Nothing glamorous, but it's got you know your your four walls, a roof, and a little porch. But inside is just a kitchen. Uh, they exist because Ukraine is actually uh, incredibly hot in the summer and people didn't used to um, have air cons. But during the summer is when you would do the most cooking. Um, so they kind of build these essentially what are kitchen workshops. Um, and they're situated a little bit closer to your, I, I call them vegetable plots, but actually it's almost like a small holding. People grow a lot of vegetables, you know, they've got orchards, etc. So this is where you, apart from everyday meals, you would also do all of your kind of like super intense pickling, you know, semi-industrial pickling operation come September, where all of the vegetables, all of the glut is kind of like being put into uh, jars so you can have it uh, over winter. So when I was little, I also had, um, we, uh, we also had this summer kitchen and, um, you know, there was a table, an old kind of telly that nobody ever watched. Um, obviously, there was a, an oven and a, uh, and a stovetop and a little larder. Um, as I say, nothing glamorous, but it it's filled with kind of these beautiful memories for me. Um, because obviously, I remember them as a child. So, you know, I, I do tend to romanticize them a little bit. But one of the most kind of memorable things was waking up in the morning in the summer. In Ukraine, we have really long summer holidays from the first uh, day of June till the last day of August, like three months, full on. And mom would still go to work. Uh, my brother was eight years older than me. So, you know, he'd look after me kind of thing. But he was a teenager. So he would sleep until like noon, you know, as teenagers do. <laughs> and I'd wake up. And the first thing that I'd do is, you know, uh, trundle to the to the summer kitchen, which is just across, like a few steps away from our main house. Uh, and on the table, my mom would have uh, put a couple of bowls, you know, covered with a tea towel. And one bowl would normally, especially if it was June, uh, when it was super seasonal, you'd open the towel and there'd be little, tiny little, very sweet strawberries that she'd collect from our, you know, little uh, patch that we had behind the uh, the house. And uh, more often than not, uh, not I will uh, admit that I would uh, devour them all. <laughs> and <Steal> them. <laughs> one, one day I did leave half for my brother and, I've been, and I was patting myself on the back the whole day. I was like, ooh, I'm so generous. And then the other bowl would contain uh, maybe something like curd cheese uh, dumplings, almost like um, Italian nudie, but they'd mm. be sweet. So, so they'd be like... Uh, yeah, kind of like covered with a bit of honey or something. And oh, wow. uh, or probably, to be honest with you, sugar at that point in the 80s. Yeah. And, you know, but it was delicious. It, like a delicious breakfast would be left for us. And um, I think these are my first memories. And also another one is definitely um, uh, trying the first cucumber of the season. So as I say, we would eat all of these pickles during winter. You know, it, Ukraine is extremely seasonal and it used to be even more so in the past. Um, so in winter... Uh, you wouldn't, well, first of all, we didn't have supermarkets, but um, there was no unseasonable, un unseasonal uh, veg. Uh, root vegetables, whatever was in season, we ate, but also all of these kind of like ferments and um, things taken out of jars. So the first cucumber after like, after about four months of uh, not having anything fresh, you know, there were, there were also like these really small ones with prickles on them. And so aromatic. So when you kind of like bite into it, it they would 
tastes sweet and it would, you know, it would almost like make your head spin. I think that's another one that really kind of like com- comes back to me whenever I think of um, my, my childhood in Ukraine. Yeah. That's amazing. So f- the descriptions yes. there are just, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm there. It's like, you know, in, um, in Proust, like when he has the Madeleine in that very famous anecdote where he's, he bites into a Madeleine and it takes him back to his childhood. So I bet if you ever have a, one of those cucumbers, you always think back to the, that happy time and the smells and the, the atmosphere and everything. Yeah, it sounds uh- idyllic. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And trying to kind of, I have two sons. One is very little still, he's six months, but my, my son's oldest son, Sasha, is eight. And the first thing that he kind of does when we go to visit my grandparents, uh, my parents in Ukraine, his grandparents, he would wake up in the morning and he'd run to my mom's kind of vegetable patch and she'd have all of these cucumbers there. And, and you know, she taught him how to twist it off and he'd twist it off and like have it straight there. And it would be kind of like warmed by the sun a little bit. I know that we think of cucumbers as these things that should be like fridge cold, but actually they're delicious when they're just a little bit warm from the sun. And that's what he talks about a lot when we're here. So it's actually, you know, kind of managing to pass it on a little bit, those um, those experiences. Yeah, and also great that his one of his favourite things to eat is, is a cucumber. Like I think a lot of parents <laughs> would kill for that. Rather than a lollipop, just give them a cucumber instead. I'm sure they're not. I'm sure they're a lot better than the cucumbers we get um, just in our fridges, uh, everyday ones. But um, well, that should be on the first uh, thing I try when I go. Um, so what I did notice in the article that you wrote was that there is so much fresh produce which we might not. We might not think about when you know we think about Ukraine and um is there anything specific I know there's lots of uh really fresh fruit and veg and herbs is there anything quite unique to Ukraine apart from the cucumbers Uh, 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 quite unique to Ukraine um well, there's the I, I I don't know if it's necessarily unique. I think they do have it in France and obviously in other Eastern European countries, but it is of such high quality is the unrefined sunflower oil. And it's something that we use a lot as a finishing oil, um, both on fresh salads and also on your fermented veg in winter. It just it tastes like pressed toasted sunflower seeds. And it's incredible. It's almost in the same intensity as a sesame oil would have, you know, in that kind of like nutty and rounded and sweet. Um, And it's, you know, really dark kind of amber in color. It's just such a beautiful oil Um, that, you know what? And for ages in the 90s, after the Soviet Union broke up, everybody went off it. They were like, oh, sunflower oil, it's so like common. You know, everybody just suddenly got into really bad quality olive oil. (laughs) So so suddenly, suddenly, uh, yeah, everyone was using olive oil. And now recently in the past 10 years, people were like, wait a minute, we've got these amazing, we've got this amazing produce and we've got this amazing oil. Why did we stop using that? You know, I remember my mom just there was just a point where she went, oh, this olive oil is actually, it can be really amazing, but what we get in Ukraine is not very good quality. Why are we not using what we've got, you know, growing in our backyard kind of thing? So, so yeah, that's one of the things that's uh, fantastic. Um, and I'm just trying to think of something else. Yes, and there's, again, uh, of course, Italians have their lardo, but um, we have a very similar um, 
um, cured kind of salted uh, pork fat that we do called salo. So it's mostly fat with a very small strip of meat. And um, it's, you know, sometimes we freeze it and just slice it and eat it like lardo with, with some pickles and, I don't know, a shot of vodka or something, <laughs> if you're doing that kind of thing. Or, you know, you, you fry it and, uh, and um, use it basically as a, as a cooking fat. Or you also bash it together with garlic and salt and dill uh, and other herbs. And then you can stir it through borscht at the very end of cooking. And it gives that kind of like savory umami salty, delicious um, porkiness to your borscht. It's really good. Oh my gosh. It sounds <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Literally. Um, you have to come. You'd love it. I really, it's, I really, can't really want recommend to go, Ukraine enough. Um, we, we can speak about borscht maybe because I know that's one of the most like well-known dishes from Ukraine. And I didn't want to lead with that because I do want to talk about all this amazing pickling and fermenting that you guys do, but we do we do have to talk about borscht. So, um, do you want to tell our listeners a bit about it? Yeah, of course. Um, you know what? There is so much to be said about borscht. Um, do a whole podcast on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you you could you could do a whole podcast on it. Uh, quite seriously, I have a very long essay in Summer Kitchens um, about it, and I've done a lot of research on it. Um, just to give a tiny bit of background to our listeners, uh, I did travel about 10,000 kilometers around Ukraine, which considering its size, maybe is not even, you know, that much. But it was it was like super intense, long journeys. And uh, we went to every, you know, corner of Ukraine, pretty much as much as possible, north, south, east and west. And I am um, and I interviewed people um, about uh, kind of forgotten recipes and, of course, about borscht. Um, it is our national dish and everyone has an idea of borscht, you know, that their mom or their grandmother used to make. And that's kind of the correct borscht that should be done. So when I was growing up, my grandma always said, you know, it has to be thick. It's, you know, it's full of vegetables. It's got beetroot, it's got uh, carrots and uh, cabbage, etc., etc. And she said that it has to be so thick that, you know, if you put a spoon in, it kind of like stands up straight. I mean, she was exaggerating a little bit. I mean, it's still a soup. Um, and she also said that it has to be pink. You know, if a red borscht that colors everything red, to her, it was, you know, sacrilege. You you can't have potatoes that are bright red from the, that beetroot, you know. And the reason why, though, and I and I always kind of adhered to that. But then I, after my research, I realized why in the south of Ukraine, uh, if you go to a market, you'll see all of these beetroots, all types of beetroots there. And there would be uh, a sign that would say borshivy buryak, which means uh, specifically beetroot for borscht. And it's almost like the Italian chioggia that we get here. You know, the really fancy pink one. This is what we use because that's the one that grows in the soil in the south. So all of the color that goes into uh, in, in the borscht is from these massive tomatoes that we use as well. So it is kind of pink. Uh, but of course, I did all of this research and went to, uh, you know, up north and you get scarlet borscht and you get like super deep almost purple borscht somewhere and also closer to Poland it's uh, it can be also almost like a consomme uh, without any veg you know you take the veg out and it's just like a really clear beautiful crimson soup with these little dumplings and it can be different and it's so special and very regional uh, up north in the in this area called Polisio uh, this uh, woman told me that they used to make borscht using elvis which are baby eel 
you know, it's, it's yeah, yeah, really interesting. Um, in uh, Poltava, central Ukraine, uh, they make these um, whole smoked pears, dried smoked, smoked pears. So you put them into a wood-fired oven at the end of a day when the heat kind of like subsides and is very gentle. And you, you do this treatment to the same pears for about five, five nights in a row. So they shrivel up and they almost look like clad in black leather. They kind of become kind of like wrinkly and um, and they smell incredible. They're smoky and, uh, you know, very rich in, in, in aroma and taste. And what you do is you, you add them to your uh, meat stock or vegetable stock, whatever borscht you're making. And then can you imagine it just adds that kind yeah. of sweetness and smokiness and it's just the most incredible thing. So actually... Borscht within Ukraine is incredibly uh, regional and different and very interesting. In the east, in eastern Ukraine, they add aubergine to it. You know, it's like a whole a whole world of borscht that even I didn't know because, as I say, you know, you're just stuck in this kind of like what grandma says said is correct. This is correct, but actually, yeah, there's so much more. But I love that. It. I think it's such an amazing. Um, it's to have one like national dish. And then the variations, they have it all over the world. So you have your cocido in, Spa- in Spanish, in Spain. Um, and that varies because I did a food tour all around Spain and it completely changes depending where you go. And I know um, also on a global level, so Janine is going to putting together at the moment, she's going to do a chicken soup from like around the world and different cultures and how this one seemingly simple dish is actually can add so much it can tell it sounds cliche but it can tell so many stories about because you know you've got your pears the one with the pears in it's like how that tells a tale of that area because you're gonna have like pear trees and you know exactly. and the smoking techniques and it just says so much about a place so I, I'm looking forward to reading that in more detail when I get your book Stick around for more from Olia, including some seafood specialities to enjoy in Odessa. Something I did want to um, talk about as well, which you have um, spoken a little about, is the diversity in the cuisine, and which obviously is going to be the case because it's such a large country. It's the second biggest in Europe, no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. After Russia, yeah, yeah, if we can so, even Russia like stretches yeah. to Asia, so yeah, yeah, but so yeah, the biggest. Um, which I must admit, I didn't know until I read your um article, so thank you. Um, <laughs> and it must provide such a huge scope of um, like foodie adventures as you have had, and I think specifically because it borders Poland, I've, I've written down here, so it borders Poland, Belarus, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, Moldova, and Russia, as well as the Black Sea. Is that That's a yep. lot of influences from different cultures. Um, There's a lot, yeah. Can we talk about some of the distinct areas? How about the northwest Ukrainian highlands? Because I know there's um, a population of um, people who live there, don't they? And the, there's like more deep earthy flavors so is there anything yeah. that you learn on your trip there yeah exactly um so uh there's uh carpathian mountains um where as you say the ukrainian highlanders live and um some some call them hutul people and um you know it's almost ukraine can be 
almost compared to Italy in a way, because up north, like in Italy, we've got um, earthier flavors. We've got forests and mushrooms and all of the berries that you would associate also with Italy. And also they have, of course, um, banosh, which is a polenta dish. So they use quite a lot of corn as well in 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 a very similar way that they do in northern uh, in northern Italy. Mm. So yeah, hutsuls, you know, it's a lot of hard work uh, happens there. You know, uh, they do a lot of shepherding, and or, you know, it's it's kind of like a tough environment. So they must have uh, over ten variations of like things that they do with polenta. It's incredible. Uh, and the most famous one, banosh, is in my book, and um, it's delicious. Uh, they actually cook it in this mixture of um, almost like a creme fraiche, I guess, uh, mixed with water. So they boil it in there. It's a very rich dish where you'd need it if you live there, you know. Um, and then it's served with either uh, crispy lardons or uh, or with a little bit of this um, local cheese called vurda, which is this salty kind of... It's not quite like feta, but it's got it's kind of similar maybe a little bit to that. And it's, you know, it's, it's fantastic food. Another dish that I loved um, that was cooked for me there was... Um, a chupena, which is potato that is mashed with um, broad beans. So it's like a spring, you know, spring early summer dish. Um, and uh, yeah, super delicious. Um, and of course, you go a little bit beyond Carpathians to this area called Transcarpathia. And you are the... Um, so I'll start that again. So when you get to Transcarpathia... The village that I went to was 30 kilometers away from Hungary, from Romania and from Slovakia. So imagine the uh, influences that you get from all of those three countries. You know, the language was different. Actually, it was Ukrainian, but I didn't understand a lot. There's, you know, there's a really kind of interesting dialect there. And depending on which village you're in, you know, you'd get words from whichever cultures you're close to. Um, those borders kept on shifting and moving. You know, you could have been born in Poland and then you got married in Romania and then you died in Ukraine or something, you know, because those borders <laughs> would have just, you know, and you lived in the same village kind of thing. How bizarre. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And the food there was just um, amazing. Something that I, you know, because it's so far away from the south of Ukraine where I'm, where I'm from, you know, about, I don't know, 900 kilometers or something, or maybe I'm exaggerating, maybe 600 something, but far. And um, you would get loads of paprika and, uh, you know, we were there in June and people would go into the forests and collect bilberries, which were extremely delicious. And they cooked these incredible steamed buns um, called hombovci. Um, Also, this recipe is in summer kitchens. It's basically you make a yeasted um, milk kind of enriched dough and you make the dough almost a little bit wet to work with and you're like oh my god how the hell am I going to do anything with it when you first knead it together because it's so wet but then it expands because of the amount of yeast that you put in and it and you make these buns basically uh that you fill with your seasonal fruits so at that point we had bilberries so you 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 put bilberries in you you turn it into a bun and then you steam them and they puff up and they have this quality of almost being like a, you know how you, you get the satisfaction of a bao bun mm. when it's so, so light. So yeah. that's it. So you get like almost like a sweet bun 
filled with these berries and then you toss it in, in a bit of melted butter and then you toss it again in uh, toasted fo- uh, walnuts bashed with a little bit of sugar. And oh, it's just like God. the most incredible thing. I, I keep making them <laughs> at home now. Like every Friday, I'm like, lockdown. Oh my God, I really need to. Yeah, yes. You know what? During lockdown, I was like, you know what? I know sugar is bad and everything, but I'm breastfeeding and I'm craving cake so much. So I've been eating quite a lot of these buns. <laughs> well, it <laughs> but, sounds like uh, a nice op- uh, alternative to sourdough that everyone's been making. Something a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're actually really easy to make, but so, so delicious. And, you know, sometimes the. You can, you can see the berries kind of almost bursting out and it is just ah. such a delicious dish. And um, they've got this other dish called Bograch. Um, I just posted a thing on Instagram recently. They cook uh, this uh, broth in a, in a almost like a cauldron that you put over fire outside. Okay. And, you, and you have like uh, smoked pork belly in there and you've got your beef ribs as well. It's quite meaty. And then, uh, you know, it's tinged with paprika, with hot and um, and smoked paprika. And you put whole vegetables in it, including like whole onions. And for those who know, you know, that whole onion is actually a prized possession because by the end of cooking, it absorbs all of those meat mm. flavors and paprika and everything. So it's such an interesting region. But then, to be honest with you, every region of Ukraine is unique and interesting. And as you say... There's so much variety, obviously, in in climate, uh, in in your landscape and surroundings. So, you know, up north and west, you've got all of these forests and mountains. So you'd expect your boletus mushrooms and berries. And you go down south where I'm from and it's super flat, you know, step. Uh, and we, ha- we get these tomatoes that are... Um, I'm just holding my hands up uh, yeah. to our listeners. Uh, sorry, they're it's like huge. A- I- Short, like shoulder width almost. <laughs> like a small, like a small. Imagine like a small pumpkin. Yeah, there. My mum, my mum had one last year. I, I actually weighed it, and it was seven hundred grams. So all, you wow. know, almost a kilo for one tomato, and it's Jeez. and it tastes incredible as well. It's sweet and juicy, and you know, one of those that you open it up and and you have to immediately uh, put a bowl underneath. Um, just beside the chopping board so you can take all the juices in because it's oh, just so wow. juicy. Yeah, because you don't want to lose oh, them all. Oh, I want to go back. Oh, I really wish that I, I can <laughs> go do. back this, this August. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what about the like opposite to the like the mountains, like the, the sea, because you border yep. the Black Sea. It's not a huge coastline, is it? But you still have, obviously, all of the... The uh, seafood that the fishermen might pluck from the sea, is there anything in particular that they bring in? Or Yep. Uh, so um, if uh, any of our listeners ever do go to Ukraine, I highly recommend Odessa. It's a beautiful city and it's right by the Black Sea and it's got a very unique... Um, uh, it's got a very unique um, food culture and dishes. And in terms of seafood, they do... Um, these little fish, I guess an equivalent would be maybe sprats here. Mm-hmm. So when you get these baby fish, so um, you you butterfly them, uh, and you know you can you can even use the heads because when you fry them, it's all kind of like very soft bone. So you butterfly them and then you grab them by the tail. So you take about four at once, and then you make this batter, which is almost like a pancake batter. And then you put them through, like, shoo, shoo, and then you put them into a hot pan. And then, and then they kind of, like, fry together in this batter and, you, and with, the, with the tail sticking out. 
And then you just have it with something simple, you know, a little bit of lemon or, you know, a bit of mayo I like to serve it with. And it's just such a stunning and simple dish. Um, they also do quite a lot of flat fish. So you would get um, kambala. Uh, what would that be? Kind of like, I want to say turbot, but it's, it's, it's a little flounder. flounder. Flounder, that's what it is in English. Yeah. So you get a lot of flounder. You get a lot of whelks. It's a... Um, uh, you know, a local thing. And of course, you get crayfish. You get them in river in ri- in rivers all over Ukraine. And, you know, as a kid, we used to get them on the, by the side of the road. You'd get boys uh, kind of who would have fished them and, and sell them by the side of the road. And we would literally make a huge bucket of them. Like you'd boil oh. them in a really big pan with just salt uh, and maybe, you know, like um, dill tops, the umbrellas. And then you have this massive uh, kind of um, uh, platter of them. And and the adults would have it with the cold beer. And it's just like the best, most wonderful thing. And I was going to say, that- it sounds like um, I've got Finnish. <laughs> My cousin married a, a lovely Finnish lady. And it sounds like the crayfish parties that they have there and in Sweden. Um, yeah, with this is it. With snaps and aquavit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this is why I think Ukraine is just so interesting. You know, Elizabeth Luard once said about Romania that it's like the Galapagos Islands uh, in culinary terms. And I think Ukraine can be described in that way as well, because you've got almost like Mediterranean uh, vibes with your tomatoes and aubergines, etc., and then you've got a very Nordic, um, you know, crayfish and salted fish. And then you've got all of the vegetable ferments, etc. So it's a really interesting um, mix of cultures, um, loads of Turkic influences as well. And um, yeah, it's just incredible and so underrated. And I really, really hope that more people go and visit and, you know, don't just go to hotels. I hope that this side of Ukrainian tourism will develop how they did in Georgia, for example, where you go and stay in somebody's guest house. Mm -hmm. So you're actually staying with a you know, a family or a woman that runs it and then you can eat all of the home-cooked food. Like the restaurants in Ukraine are becoming amazing. Like it's, of course, but there's something to be said about being able to cook in somebody's home, I think. Absolutely. I think that's that's so special. I I did a similar thing with Intrepid Travel in Macedonia and Mm. it was very, there's a lot of similarities in what you've been saying about the food cultures actually. And staying in somebody's home is just, you can't really beat that as an experience, especially as a as a foodie. I don't like to use that term too often, but um, it would. Yeah, I'm I'm desperate to go, and like genuinely am. Like not just saying that, but um, hopefully, as more people go, there'll be more opportunities for. Pe- well, obviously, after all of this, yeah, crazy the crazy down. world that we're in at the moment. Once people start traveling again, and I think people will be looking for. Um, places that are a little bit more uncovered and that they can go to remote you know places that they don't, they're not with the masses so Ukraine's probably quite a good good destination for that for sure and um yeah as i say you'd just be completely taken uh and and surprised and uh amazed by all of the kind of produce and the dishes and the hospitality as well, because people are incredibly open and kind. And um, 
And also, you know, it's fun to to learn something like do, you know, learn how to do dumplings or something like that. It's just so much fun. Mm. Well, um, yes, yeah, so I think that's probably all we've got time for. I could literally, I've got so many more questions um, <laughs> like about completely different topics. I was going to try and squeeze one in, but I know that we don't have time. But um, you, you've shared a recipe with us for your cauliflower fritters, which uses buckwheat flour and is served with a spoonful of like dill and garlic spiked mayo, which sounds amazing. So you can, <laughs> our listeners can head to olivemagazine.com for that. But if you'd like to try more of these amazing summer dishes that Ollie has been talking about, especially those little buns, I'm really excited about making those with the filled with the bilberries. And I'm sure we could use blueberries and English fruits as well. Um, Absolutely. So Ollie's book is it's called Summer Kitchen, and that's just recently out, isn't it? So um yeah, summer kitchens. Yeah, yeah, summer kitchens. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's uh, you can buy it on Amazon and like and your local bookshop. Yeah, 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 all Absolutely. for the local bookshop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thanks so much. Honestly, it's been so wonderful talking to you, and you've really helped create a a picture of the country that we've never been to, and I've never seen even many photos of it. But I feel like I really have got a an idea of what it's like. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you want to explore more of our back catalogue of over 200 episodes, you'll find us on all the main platforms and on our website, olivemagazine.com, where you'll also find tons of useful recipes and some great cooking advice. Why not try a subscription to Olive Magazine and get the very best recipes delivered to help inspire your cooking? To take advantage of our current offer of three issues for only £5, just go to buysubscriptions.com, allpod720, that's O-L-P-O-D 720. Terms and conditions apply. Stay safe and we'll see you next week when we'll have a brand new episode to listen to.